the Ambitious Radio Network. Conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders. Are you an entrepreneur, startup junkie, or just someone interested in improving their leadership skills? If you're looking to be motivated, inspired, and uncover what it takes to get to the next level, listening to Ambitious Radio will be well worth the investment of your time. We have weekly engaging conversations with today's most influential thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they discuss their successes, failures, tipping points, and other priceless information that you can apply immediately after listening. And welcome to the show. Good to have you right here. It is Ambitious Radio, hosted by our friend Doug Parker, talking about entrepreneurship and leadership while interviewing interesting people and what makes them ambitious. Now, you know, the show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors, Grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. You know, most of the time, small business owners need to personally guarantee any loans that their companies take out. That can be kind of tough to do if you have credit issues. So if you have less than perfect credit, go to RepairMyCreditNow.com for a free credit report evaluation. RepairMyCreditNow.com. Doug, what do we have going on today? Guys, I'm always so thrilled to hear from our guests, and we've got another great one today. This is Doug Parker, your host, and today we're going to be talking with Paul Masco, and and he left corporate America behind and started his first TGA franchise, and he uh, basically brings sports to students through after-school programs, camps, family events, those types of things, and he grew his business to about almost half a million dollars in 2015. And then sold it for six times his initial investment. Now he actually went to work for the company, uh, helping others and doing the business development side for the franchisor. So, Paul, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Thanks, Doug. Doing well. How are you? You know, I am doing great. My, my, I'm a little froggy in my throat today, but you know what? That happens sometimes with the weather changes and different things. And uh, with that being said, I'm just excited to talk to you, man. We haven't had a lot of people on to talk about franchising, and I know that's such an exciting you know, scenario because there's a, a proven model that people are, are kind of paying for, if you will, so it kind of is able to merge that entrepreneurial spirit without having to just go figure it all out on your own. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, where are you from? How did you grow up? Those kinds of things. Yeah, so I grew up uh, just outside of Flint, Michigan. So I uh, grew up in a small town just outside of Flint, lived there my whole life, elementary, middle school, high school, played a bunch of sports growing up. Golf was kind of my main one, golf, baseball, and basketball. Played those uh, pretty much throughout my whole childhood career and then uh always was interested in math and numbers and that was really what i excelled at in school and that was actually what kept my attention there's a lot of things that didn't keep my attention um so going off to college i just did what everybody always told me to do which was go to college and graduate and then go get a good job so uh i followed everybody else's advice went to the university of michigan got a finance degree and uh headed off to chicago to uh work in corporate America. So my dream was to climb the corporate ladder. That's what I had always heard and known of and uh, didn't really know any different. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of how, how I got started and how I ended up here is uh, a long and crazy road that I uh, I never thought I would be, would be running a golf and tennis business for kids and then being able to sell it and then being able to grow it across the country. So it's uh, I'm sure we'll fill in the gaps along the way, but that's kind of who I am and where I came from. Sure, sure. Well, so now Flint, Michigan, that's is that that's where there was all the issues with the water over the last year or so, right? 
Yes, unfortunately, uh, they never really make the news uh, for anything good. And yeah, recently it was about all the uh, lead in their water and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that that's where I'm from. I lived there until I was uh, 22, I guess, when I graduated college and then I moved off to Chicago, lived in Chicago for uh, three years and then moved down to North Carolina. And I've been down here for the last uh, six years, gotcha. more than six years. Okay. So, yeah. Very good, very good. Now, let, let's talk about, I mean, you know, life, um, you, you mentioned something to the effect of, you know, not, not a whole lot of, of good news comes out of Michigan, but let's just talk about, you know, growing up, you know, any obstacles that you might have gotten into because, you know, so many times when we're talking to people, you know, you, you, you people gloss over the bad times and you just hear about the good stuff, but let's just talk about maybe an obstacle that, that you've ran into in your career and, and, and it could be even as a child, but just uh, in life and how you overcame that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you, you know, you're always going through obstacles and like you said, you don't really remember them or, you know, you don't really, especially in this day and age, people don't post bad things on social media. So all you hear is good things. So, I mean, you know, I would say just in general, um, you know, going into the finance world, I entered the finance world in 2007 when uh, it was on the verge at that time it was going really well. And then three months later, it pretty much collapsed. So I think, you know, an obstacle there was really just uh you know, dealing with that. Luckily, I was the newest person on the block, so I was probably getting paid the least, but really just watching everybody else get laid off and then having to do more work. And, you know, to, it, it, it's not necessarily, a, you know, to me, it was a good obstacle because it showed me that I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And maybe if, if I would have entered the finance world, you know, when times were good, say, you know, 2000 through 2008, who knows, I probably would have stayed in finance a lot longer. So, uh, you know, before the entrepreneurial career, that would probably be, you know, I would say an obstacle in general is just going into the finance world and corporate America during that time. You know, I just read a book recently by Ryan Holiday called The Obstacle is the Way. And it's funny how you just describe that because, you know, some people are optimists and some people are more pessimistic. But I love the way you described it. But, hey, I was one of the least paid guys. I was there probably the, the shortest amount of time. So, you know, it wasn't as big of a deal. And it's always relative, you know, how much ever, you know, you're making or whatever the case is. But, uh, it sounds like that you, you know, you took that information and, and you, you know, you weren't there for three or four or five, ten years where you went out and, you know, bought a, a house and did a mortgage for 30 years based upon that income. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and some of those guys, obviously, that were getting laid off, you know, that, that was their situation. So, uh, but yeah, the, the book had some really interesting things in it. And, you, you know, there's some things you just can't do anything about. So you might as well just embrace them and figure out a way to get through it. So that sounds like the uh, the kind of guy you are, and I'm sure that's why you've had so much success in life. Um, and, and when it comes to success, you know, what would you say that that is one of your best traits, or something you might be kind of world class at, or something along those lines? Uh, I mean, not from a like a actually doing type of stuff, but more from like a trait slash mindset. You know, I think it's really just showing up every day and working harder than other people. Um, you know, if you do those things, you can pretty much learn everything else and fill in the blanks and hire people that are smarter than you to do other things. But, you know, in general, that's really where I kind of thrive. You know, you got to be a self-starter. You got to be motivated and you got to you got to see the bigger picture to, you know, a lot of people when you start your business, there's going to be days when it's like, why am I doing this? I should just go back and get a job so I don't have to worry about this and I can just show up, punch in, punch out and go home. So, you know, really having the bigger picture, working hard, know what's, you know, what's at the end. So as far as that, you know, I think that's really one of my traits is just outworking people um, and, you know, not not giving up because you never know uh, what, you know, everything could be going bad today. But, you know, 
everything was built on people making mistakes and failures. If, if people didn't make mistake and fail, nothing, there would have been no innovation in this world. So that's kind of how I look at it. And then, you know, from an operational standpoint, it's really, uh, I'm a systems person in automation and spreadsheets. So I like staying organized and I like systematizing everything so that I can hand it off to somebody else to do. You know, those are, those are all great things. And, you know, the, the hard work, uh, I, I read a quote one time that said something to the effect of, you know, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And <laughs> that's a fact. You know, the, the reality is so many of us, uh, we get out there and we've got some talent in whatever we do. But if you just work harder than everybody else, you can make a good living. And sometimes you can get really, really lucky. Uh, it's always frustrating for me to see some ultra talented person. Not, I don't care that they're successful and and they don't have to work very hard to be successful. What what frustrates me more is when they're very talented, and I can see their talent, and they're just mediocre because they just don't yep. have work ethic. And that that really is a frustrating situation. So I'm sure you've seen it with possibly with franchisees and employees and other stuff as well. But um, you know when you when you're talking about those types of things, employees and franchisees, and you know there's there's things that you want to do to help to get them to grow. But what is it that you do to to grow personally? Uh. So, I mean, I think you got to have a really good balance, you know, to grow personally. So, you know, your personal life, your work life, you know, all the other things that you do. So to, you know, to keep that balance, I think when you're doing something that you're passionate about and you love it kind of, you know, before when I worked a nine to five, I kind of had two different lives, the life I had at work and then the life I had outside of work. And, you know, once I started doing something that I love and running my own business and working with other business owners to help them do the same thing, it kind of just kind of molds into one. So, um, you know, especially when you work from home, but really just having that balance and setting time aside to hang out with the family, setting aside, setting aside time to play golf or play tennis, and then setting aside time that you know that you got to dig in and work hard. So I think really realizing, you know, what's important in life and setting aside time and really committing to those things. So that way, one aspect of your life doesn't take over the others. Sure. And when it comes to, you know, books and, and things along those, along those lines, do you have a favorite book that, that you either recommend for folks or that you like to go back and read and reflect on? Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, if you're a business owner, I, I think, uh, built to sell was really the biz, the business book that, you know, got me thinking and got me going and, uh, really take a look at that bigger picture and kind of starting with the end in mind and, you know, making your business work so you don't have to. So, Anybody that's out there owning a business, I would definitely recommend uh, Built to Sell if you haven't read it. Um, I'm always reading mainly business books, so uh, but obviously there's a lot of good things you learn in business that are also applicable to life as well. But uh, that would have to be my number one book. Okay, very good. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Uh, the best piece of advice, probably just from playing sports, which in my opinion, sports can you know, you can take what you learn in sports and do it everywhere. Uh, doing the little things and big things will happen. So whether you're working with a team playing basketball or your individual sport like tennis or golf, when you take care of all those little things that other people aren't willing to do, it, it really does make a difference. So if you're running a business, that could be the customer service you provide or the little details that you do, you know, that sets you apart from somebody else, uh, you know, and then the same thing in life when you're doing the little things to the people, you, you know, to the people you care about or even the strangers, you know, it does it does make a difference. So that would be uh, kind of the quote that I can use for a lot of things. 
you know, that's great stuff. And I, I love to, uh, you know, just take life and, and intermingle it with, you know, with what we've got going on in business. And sometimes your kid can tell you something. You're like, you know what? That was very simple, but it's profound. And that's, <laughs> that's one of those kind of things that, uh, you know, when you do the little things, the big things will happen. And honestly, you could even probably expand upon that. Because uh, you could do little things wrong, and big wrong things will happen too. So it's 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 the little things that build a foundation for the for the bigger stuff later on down the road. So that's great information. And you know, Paul, thank you so much for sharing with us. Uh, after a brief word from our sponsors, we'll be hearing more from Paul Maskell and his career pursuits, and really him becoming an ambitious entrepreneur right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God or what they say? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers, and if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. This is Kelly Shackelford, president of First Liberty. We're the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. We've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to the local schools. If you want hope for religious freedom, go to firstliberty.org and get your free In God We Trust window clean. That's firstliberty.org. As we get back into the show, let's give a shout out to our great sponsors, all3reports.com. That's all, the number three reports with an S.com. You know, many people check their credit every three to five years when they're financing a home or maybe when they're purchasing a new vehicle. But if there is an issue, it could be too late to do anything about it. So go to all3reports.com to find out more. Speaking of a new vehicle, a wise person once said, lease what depreciates, buy what appreciates. So go to Autoflex Leasing. They offer a better way to lease your next car. America's largest independent leasing company is Autoflex Leasing. Doug? All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today, what another great guest we have. Uh, Paul, tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of your business, the TGA Premier Golf and Tennis. Tell us what that is and kind of what you guys do. Yes, yeah, so TGA stands for Teach, Grow, Achieve, and our main motto is that we believe sports change lives. So our goal is to make golf and tennis more accessible they're kind of the two sports that aren't traditionally as accessible at the youth level mainly elementary kids is our focus um you know so all the other sports golf or uh, basketball soccer baseball all those sports are really easily accessible at the youth level you know where to sign up for them you know you don't really need to know a lot about them uh, from a parenting side whereas golf and tennis can be kind of intimidating they're individual sports you got to go to a country club you don't know what to do there uh, so a lot of people just don't pick up golf until much later in life so our goal is to kind of bridge that gap by uh, running on campus after school and before school programs so the franchise owners kind of hire out a staff and the staff goes to these schools they provide all the equipment all the coaches go out there and uh, run enrichment programs right on school campuses to get the kids excited about golf and tennis teach them all the fundamentals 
it is an enrichment program, so they're going to learn a lot more than just how to swing the racket or club. It's going to be rules and etiquette, character development, academic lessons. So that way they have all the tools and knowledge they need to then go to the golf course or tennis courts and start playing regularly and get the family involved. So, you know, from a business model aspect, we partner with local schools, get a bunch of kids playing in the after school programs and then partner with local golf courses and tennis facilities to then run parent child events, summer camps, uh, you know, junior leagues and that kind of stuff. So, so how how do you actually monetize that? Is, is it primarily paid for by the parents, or does the gov- the school programs do they participate in some way? How how exactly does that work? So yeah, it's all it's all parent funded. So you know, you'll it's basically an elective that the kids can do after school, and then they'll sign up through you through our you know through the TGA website. So that's really how it's monetized, and then the same thing through the camps and leagues and everything. So it's all parent funded. It's a curricular you know extracurricular activity. Um, we do have a nonprofit, a TGA Sports Foundation. So that way we can leverage our 501c3 nonprofit to also get the kids that could otherwise not afford to play, give them an opportunity to play as well. And so I assume that you guys do fundraisers and you look for corporate sponsors and stuff, or how does that work? Correct. Yeah. So we have uh, somebody running the foundation full time. So she'll look for, you know, like you said, corporate sponsors. You can do local fundraising on a local level. She's she looks for grants in you know all the areas where we have franchises uh, and then, you know, gets money there that then the franchise owners can apply to use in their local area. So that way they can, you know, impact their local community by offering financial aid or scholarships or depending on what they want to do. Okay, so let's talk for just a few minutes about, you know, when you first started and how, what that process looked like. So you were in the corporate world and you're going through, you're in finance and you kind of mentioned that there was a little bit of a, the crash that occurred. I said a little bit, a massive worldwide crash. <laughs> um, and and then you decided, you know what, I'm going to have to do something different. So walk me through when you kind of saw that it was inevitable and then, you know, fears that you might have had and how you process it and then landed with this organization to uh, to do a franchise? Yeah, so um, I started in the finance world 2007, like I said, and I mean, I was pretty, I just don't like doing the same thing every day. So I got pretty bored of it pretty quickly, changed jobs a couple times, moved around the organization that I was working for a couple times. But really, you know, within a year and a half, two years at the most, I was, I knew that this wasn't for me. I just didn't want to do it for 40 years. And I, you know, seeing people that had done it for 20, 30 years, then get laid off, you know, so it's pretty much thanks for nothing. You got to go because you're making more than other people type of thing. Um, You know, so it really just wasn't, it wasn't rewarding at all. I wasn't really adding any value to anybody. So I wanted to do something fun, rewarding, run my own business. So I actually, uh, I left Chicago, backpacked around South America for two months. And then when I came back, I ended up in Raleigh, North Carolina and uh, was flipping through the Entrepreneur Magazine, looking for ideas and opportunities and what I could do from home. Uh, And that's really where I found TGA. It was listed as one of the top 10 low-cost start-from-home franchises. And obviously, I'm a big sports enthusiast, love coaching, and uh, it was a perfect fit. And there wasn't a franchise here yet. So uh, for me, there wasn't a huge risk because the worst case scenario is it crashes and burns and I have to go get another job. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people get a little bit scared about taking that risk, which it is a risk, but the worst case scenario is never as bad as uh, you think it could be. And if you have the work ethic and you're determined, especially with the franchise, obviously it's been proven to work elsewhere. So that, that gave me a little bit of, you know, support and security. And I decided to take the plunge. Well, let's talk about this South American trip real quick because you kind of just blew right through that. But, you know, (laughs) what made you decide to do that? Was it just that you, you know, like, hey, I've got 
time on my hands right now and I'm just wanted to do this and I'm going to go do it. And where did you go? Yeah. So it was pretty much like that. I like to travel. Um, even when I was working in the corporate world, I'd pretty much, uh, either travel a lot of the weekends, uh, living in Chicago at that time, you could get really cheap Southwest tickets to go places for the weekend. Uh, and then I'd save up all my vacation time. I went to Central America once for three weeks while still working in corporate America. So it's really just something that I really enjoyed doing. And, uh, there was a lot of stuff I wanted to do in South America and uh, wanted to do the Inca Trail, wanted to go Machu Picchu and do all that stuff. And I knew that once I started a business, I probably wouldn't have time or resources to just take off for two months, at least to start. Um, so that's kind of how I did it. I, you know, I didn't, in my opinion, I didn't have much to lose. I was quitting my job without anything lined up anyway. So I figured I'd quit my job and head down to South America. So my wife is actually from uh we were dating at the time, so her family's in Colombia. So we went to Colombia for two weeks, and then uh, she went back up to the States, and then I went over to Ecuador for a couple weeks, spent about four or five weeks in Peru, and then uh, spent a week in Bolivia. So that was uh, that was my travels. Cool. Well, that you know that's that's exciting because one of the things as an entrepreneur, I think we all got to be careful about is you know the old "if it's to be, it's up to me" mentality. And it's great when you systematize things and you can really legitimately hand them off. But whenever you're now dependent upon your production and your company for your income and you don't have the corporate world to depend on, it changes kind of your, your makeup. And, you know, a lot of times, I think I think you nailed it there. A lot of times, you know, when you start your own business, it might be a year, two, three, four before you can take off, you know, even for a week or two of vacation. And it shouldn't be that way, but it kind of sometimes is. So I think that was uh, really cool that you got to experience that. And, and I highly encourage people that, you know, if you're doing the entrepreneurial uh, thing, you've got to find a way to take time off. And that was one of the things that for years my family and I have done a really good job at is, you know, I take one week with the kids and one week with the with my wife and, you know, two weeks per year. And sometimes we've got some, you know, long weekends and different things. But that has been a good balance, you know, for me, and and it works out really, really great. Now let's let's fast forward over the last few years. That was great. You took two months and did it then, but have you been good about taking vacations since then? Uh, yeah. I mean, when I first started, obviously not. Uh, I was bootstrapping pretty much everything, so I was working, you know, like a maniac uh, for the first two or three years until I got to the point where there was enough revenue coming in where then I could start delegating and systematizing. And, you know, I, I had all my systems in place pretty much when I started just cause that's my mentality, but then really documenting them and, you know, making training outlines and all that kind of stuff for how I want them done. So that way, when I did bring on a team to actually take care of all the day-to-day -day admin busy work, uh, they had all the support and tools they need. So, you know, once we got that in place, then I, you know, then I was definitely able to take some more time, uh, didn't have to be working in the business as much. And then uh, once I sold it, then I've obviously had uh, a lot more free time per se to uh, my family's in Michigan, my wife's family's in Florida. So being able to go visit them uh, and then really just being able to, you know, relax or go to the mountains for the weekend or go to the beach for the weekend and that kind of stuff is obviously a lot easier once you have those systems and people and processes in place. Absolutely. Well, I've got a couple more questions, but we've got to wrap up this segment right now. Great stuff for our ambitious listeners. And guys, if you are liking what you're hearing, text the word ambitious, A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S, 
to 69922. Standard messaging rates apply. See the website for more details, but we will notify you when there's new guests coming on and update you with all the goings on with Ambitious Radio. Next, we'll be talking more to Paul about what other ambitious things he's up to right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. It's that time again. Summertime. Kids are out of school, running around, having fun in the sun, leaving the doors open, trying to air condition the entire neighborhood. I just got my first electric bill of the summer and it is double what it was a few months ago. I can't wait for these kids to go back to school. Tired of paying outrageous electricity bills? Would you like to get a significant discount or get free electricity? Go to freeelectricitydfw.com to compare our rates. Many of our clients are saving anywhere from 15 to 20%. We also have a referral program that allows you to earn free electricity. You cannot beat free cents per kilowatt. Switch and save with free electricity, dfw.com. That's free electricity, dfw.com. We offer free energy credits to customers who refer and activate 15 or more qualified customers for our electricity service and are not past due on their bill. To get your free energy credit, your customers must be referred through your free customer gathering website. See free electricity, dfw.com for more details. Back in here on the show, it's Ambitious Radio Network. Hey, are you thinking of expanding your business but don't want to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a new phone system? Consider grasshopper.com. You get to keep your existing number. You have multiple extensions, voicemails transcribed, and no new hardware. Grasshopper.com is the entrepreneur's phone system. Let's get back to the show with Doug Parker. All right, we are back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we got Paul Maskell on the air with us, and really he's knocking out of the park, talking about his entrepreneurial experience with TGA, Teach, Grow, and Achieve. Uh, it's such a great concept. Um, one thing I, I didn't get to ask you in the last segment I want to kind of follow up on is t- tell us just a, a little bit about, you know, that the fear you went through. It sounds like you were a pretty calculated guy. You went and relaxed. You had a good time. But then you jump into the business, and you are now a franchisee, and you've, you know, paid the paid the price and now you're doing what you do what what were some of the fears you went through when you first got started yeah i mean it's really just uh getting revenue in the door so you know it's a it's a home-based franchise and it's really up to the franchise owner to start going to make connections with schools and golf courses and facilities and parks and rec places it's not like uh you know brick and mortar like mcdonald's or subway where once they go in everybody knows who you are and they just start spending money with you you know so obviously the trade-off there is to start a brick and mortar franchise is going to be a good half a million dollars where tga is you know much much less than that so it was really just you know not no you know you don't there's no paycheck coming in it's not a job anymore so you got to go get your you got to go get your money you got to go get your accounts and you know, got to start impacting kids. So really just kind of pounding the pavement, calling schools, stopping into schools. And, uh, you know, when everybody's telling, you no, it can get, it can get frustrating because when you tell them you want to run golf programs after school, they're thinking, how in the heck are you going to do that? We don't have a golf course on our campus and there's no way you're going to be hitting golf balls on our campus and we don't have tennis courts. So how the heck are you going to do this? So they don't even call you back. So you know, it's really just educating them and then getting that first school to say, yes, you can run programs here and then getting the second and the next one's always easier than the one before. But, you know, starting off, that was probably, you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest fear is what if nobody says yes. 
You know that, and that's a true statement. And and the reality is, even if you're really good, now I don't know what your kind of statistical odds are of when you kind of cold call on a school, uh, getting through the door. But in a, in a lot of businesses that are sales related, if you're if you're really really pretty good, you know somewhere between twenty twenty five percent, you're doing a pretty good job. Um, if you are like a freak of nature and just super super good, you might do thirty thirty five percent. So that means you're going to get told no at a rate of you know two or three times as many no's as yeses. And I think that's something to really take into consideration because whenever you're in business for yourself, you have to have thick skin. You've got to get used to people telling you no and then not letting that you know mess you up for the next presentation that you're going to and uh, keeping your head up. And then also, you know, just because somebody tells you no, it doesn't always mean no, never. It might just mean no, not right now. They might really want whatever it is that you're kind of quote unquote selling. They may just have a bad day. Their significant other may have just yelled at them or whatever. And, you know, they're just not having a good day. So I always encourage people to, you know, process through the situation. And someone dropped this nugget on me, I don't know, a few episodes back where they said, the fortune is in the follow-up. And I've always been big on follow-up and CRMs and, and documentation and those kinds of things. But I hadn't just heard it explained that way. And the fortune is in the follow-up. A lot of times you got to plant the seed on somebody and you got to go back and water it and fertilize it and let it mature before it fruit, you know, becomes fruitful and, and multiplies. So, um, so that's, that's, you know, interesting information, kind of how you're, how you're explaining that. So when you first started, you're trying to figure out a way to, you know, pay back, you know, pay for the franchise, pay the associated fees, obviously make an income, uh, get a successful business. Now, how long did it take you before you were uh, cash flowing? Uh, I mean, pretty much right away. I mean, I, I was, I was uh, pretty ambitious and, you know, definitely wanted to make it work. And I obviously when you have the passion for something, it's a lot easier to sell it uh, because really you're selling yourself, you know, and then the program just comes along with you. So, uh, I mean, within the first, you know, I, I had the franchise fee paid back uh, in less than 12 months. So that was good. And I was able to uh, pretty much cash flow it from the beginning. I was able to pay my bills and, you know, pay for the franchise. And then after that, it was just reinvesting into, you know, whether it's more people, another franchise, um, and just continuing to grow it from there. So, uh, you know, I think if kind of what we went back to earlier, if you show up and work harder than most people, uh, you're, you're going to be successful. And then, like you said, if you, you can't take no personally and kind of just put yourself in the other people's shoes and why are they saying no, and then try and kind of overcome that. And, you know, when, when you're coming from the, the angle that, we're here to pro provide you value and we're not here to sell you something. I think it does kind of change the, change the script a lot. It, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. Figuring out, you know, what, what the needs are and then really providing a, a fit for, you know, for what their, what their needs are in the community or whatever the case is. Now, if, if you could go back and tell yourself one thing uh, in life, what would it be? And, you know, kind of when would you have told yourself that? Uh, probably uh, go back to high school and, tell myself and everybody to uh not necessarily do what everybody tells you to do and don't just kind of you know follow the status quo um i mean more and more everyone's saying you got to go to college you got to go to college it's more and more and more expensive and uh it might not be for everybody i mean if you think about it if you look at any 17 18 year old if you tell them they have to make a decision on what they want to be for the rest of their life and they're gonna have to spend over 100 grand to do it uh that's you know when you're 18 it's it's not scary, but looking back, it's like, uh, 
that's that's not a very good model that we have set up in my opinion so i would definitely go back to my high school self and uh question the status quo sooner i mean i'm glad i got a finance degree because i think that's probably one of the most valuable tools anybody can uh can learn so you know but at least after graduating with that degree then not necessarily do what everybody tells you to do that is great advice and you know sometimes it's really weird. You know, you look at these people, you know, whether it's Zuckerberg, you know, or, or Bill Gates or whoever, you know, they go to these real prestigious schools and they drop out. And, and you know, at the time, there's probably thinking, you are an idiot. You're dropping out of Harvard <laughs> or whatever. And what in the world are you thinking? And then, and then you fast forward, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and these guys are mega million billionaires. But that, that questioning the status quo, I mean, there's a, there's a respectful way to do it, and there's a disrespectful way. And, and, and a lot of times, kind of people that rebel, um, they learn the hard way, uh, a lot of things. But finding a way to respectfully disagree, push back, kind of be a contrarian thinker. You know, kids that ask why. When you see little bitty kids that are always asking, well, why? <laughs> and it gets annoying and it's like but it shouldn't get annoying because they're trying to learn and they're asking the right questions because they're just saying hey wrap my head around this for me I don't right. understand <laughs> why I should do that just help me understand because it doesn't make sense and I think as adults we get it beat into our head or as young adults that don't ask why just do what I say and, and yeah. you're right it, it's this herd mentality and man that, that really is great great information if they can find a way to you know, respectfully disagree or respectfully um, just ask for additional information and not just, you know, follow the, the person that's right in front of you off the cliff, uh, that, that could make a significant difference, uh, in, you know, in their life for sure. Now, um, you know, kind of as we continue on, let's talk about mentoring and, and growing. We talked a little bit about that earlier with some of the books you've read, but do you have anybody that's mentoring you or anybody that you're currently following? Uh, I mean, I follow a lot of people on podcasts and social media, mainly podcasting. Um, Gary Vanderchuk definitely uh, gets me motivated, and he's, you know, I think he's got a pretty good perspective on business and life and all that stuff. So I would say that he's probably the one that I follow the most, um, you know, as far as people out there. And then mentoring, I, I would definitely recommend anybody to just be part of some sort of mastermind, get together with a local group or it doesn't even have to be local you can get together on skype but people that are doing the same thing as you uh, when you're an entrepreneur sometimes it feels like you're on an island and it's just you and you can be pounding away in your office for 10 12 hours and then you know you get together with a mastermind group and it, it, it can change a lot of things you can get a lot of different perspectives you can make moves quicker uh, and get a lot of good feedback so you know definitely recommend everybody to get part of a mastermind and then uh, gary vanderchuk Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I love listening to him, you know, and, and obviously this is a, a radio program, so, uh, you know, we, we are uh, regulated by the FCC and all that kind of good stuff, so we got to be careful what we say. Gary Vanderchuk's got <laughs> great information, but yes, he, he... you you have to censor it. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to listen to it with your four or five-year-old in the vehicle with you, I assure you, but it is for real, and it's raw, and it is very uh, um, great, inf you know, it's great information. So, um, well, that kind of wraps up this segment. Uh, tune in right after a break from our, uh, when we hear from our sponsors, where we will be hearing more from Paul about what he does to recharge his ambitious body, mind, and spirit right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Hey. 
Hey, Ambitious listeners, you hear us interviewing entrepreneurs all the time, and there's a common theme. They want to be more productive and improve their communication. As an ambitious entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. The Ambitious Radio Network recently partnered with Grasshopper to offer our listeners a special discount. Log on to ambitiousradio.com and click on the Grasshopper banner in the bottom right-hand corner. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forwards callers to your mobile phone or others in your organization. Get a toll-free number or local number for your business with multiple extensions. Set up each extension with custom call forwarding to any phone in the world. Get your voicemails emailed to you as an audio attachment or transcribed an email. Keep business calls separate from your personal calls. Plans start at $12 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember to click on the Grasshopper banner at ambitiousradio.com for a special discount for our listeners. Join the over 150,000 small business owners that have stayed connected with Grasshopper. See how Grasshopper works. It's the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn the world into your office. And we're back in here on the show. It's Ambitious Radio Network, recharging the ambitious mind, body, and spirit, made possible by RepairMyCreditNow.com. You know, having bad credit can be really draining. It's okay to not be okay as long as you're on the road to being okay. Let RepairMyCreditNow.com help get you back on track. You know, many of our ambitious listeners prefer to listen to books as opposed to reading them. Now, with that, we've teamed up with Audible.com to offer you one free audiobook. Just go to ambitiousradio.com, click on the Audible banner on the page to find out more. Back to the show now with Doug Parker. All right, we're back on the Ambitious Radio Network, and today we've got Paul Maskill. He is a successful franchisee and now basically is over business development for the franchisor. So he has done very, very good uh, work in uh, helping a lot of kids, helping a lot of schools, just kind of get things in line. And um, it's, it's really a great program. I've loved hearing what he's got going on. But as you mentioned, when you first got started, you were grinding it out, working like a maniac. And really, you know, there's things that you got to do to process through that to kind of get back to your happy place. So let's talk about that just a little bit. I mean, what do you do? What, what fills you? What puts you back on track again? Uh, sleep. Sleep is good. And, uh, you know, I think when you're making, say, sacrifices or those decisions of, like you said, you're going to be working more than most people. You're probably going to be working 60, 60, probably 60 hours a week on average, sometimes more, sometimes less. So I think it's really what can we cut out without sacrificing the things we don't want to sacrifice. So for me, sleep is always very important. I'm in bed by 10 o'clock at the latest, uh, so I can still get up at 5, 5.30 and get a good night's sleep. Um, so for me, it was really just t- kind of taking a look back at, you know, what did I do when I was, say, working corporate America from 5 o'clock till the time I go to bed? And it was really not much. So, you know, making shifts in how you spend your time. So I still you know, I still play tennis a couple times a week, still play golf probably once a month, still get a lot of good sleep, still hang out with the family quite a bit. So it was really just uh, kind of eliminating television. To be honest, I don't really watch television. We don't have cable. We have Netflix or whatever. But uh, I found that I, I'm much more fulfilled when I don't spend time watching television. And I can I feel much more productive when I'm working when I used to watch TV. So, um, you know, to recharge is definitely sports, sleep and family time. Gotcha, gotcha. Now you mentioned Netflix. Do you have any uh, any favorite documentaries or favorite movies or anything that you just kind of like? It's a staple. You just want to go back and watch every once in a while. Uh, I would say my my staple movie, like probably one of the movies that no matter what part of it it's on, I'll sit down and watch it. Uh, would be uh, Shawshank Redemption. That's uh, 
for whatever reason, that's probably my, my go-to movie. Um, something on Netflix, to be honest, I don't really watch it much, but the one I did watch, Tony Robbins' uh, I'm Not Your Guru, which was actually pretty good. So recommend any any business or just life in general to take a, take a look at that if you have Netflix. You know what? It's funny you say that. The other day, I don't know what channel it was on, but Shawshank Redemption was on. And I'm the same <laughs> way. It's like, man, I can't not watch that thing. I, I I just pause, and then all of a sudden, you know, an hour has gone by, and I've watched the whole you know, rest of the show, whatever it is. <laughs> but I also yeah. watched that uh, Tony, uh, Tony Robbins, I'm Not Your Guru. And I'm going to tell you this. Guys, if you haven't watched that yet, it totally transformed what I thought about Tony Robbins. I just thought of him as a motivational speaker, kind of. I didn't really realize um, how in-depth he is. And again, just a kind of a little warning again. It's got a little bit of language in it, which yeah. <laughs> it, it, it amazed me that he like puts these people on blast right out in front of like his whole audience. But yeah. it is, it's amazing the, um, the transformation that occurs in these people and how raw and real he is with folks. Uh, I think I was listening to him on the, on Tim Ferriss's podcast, and that's what kind of encouraged me to go do it and, and or go watch it. But uh, but yeah, that is a fantastic, um, just something that you don't know about the guy. Um, that, that I think it'll open your eyes to, to what he has and brings to the table. So um, now vacationing, those kinds of things. I know you mentioned kind of beaches and mountains and those kind of things, but is there a, a special place that's like really your favorite place to go? Uh, not one specific place, but. I would I would I would pick the mountains any day of the week. I'm, to be honest, I'm not a huge beach fan. Uh, I'll go if if I have to go. But if I could just go hang out in the mountains and not do anything and just hike and bike and hang out and you know have a nice cabin in the, in the mountains with a good view, that's that's pretty much all I need. So that that's kind of my go-to. We're in Raleigh, so we're about two or three hours uh, drive from the mountains here in North Carolina. So it's it's nice to get away, go out there, and uh, kind of unplug from everything else. You know, it's it's easier said than done, and obviously, it sounds like you've you've been able to successfully, obviously, sell your business and and transition to a a slightly different position within the the parent company. But um, that unplugging, uh, I will tell you that I still struggle with that. Um, it's it's difficult to you know not respond or unplug, and I've I've geared myself to having very little margin. And so I work a lot. And, and so that's that's a good thing if you can do that. And guys, the problem is if you're a workaholic and you're working all the time and then something does come up significant. Um, an example, my wife, you know, had a surgery two days ago and, and was in the hospital uh, for a couple of days. And I literally almost kind of have to work, you know, part time while I'm, you know, step out of the room because it's just a situation where there's so many moving parts that if it doesn't get if it doesn't get handled, then the ball gets dropped and, and I've, I don't deliver to the, the people that I've, I've promised I'll deliver to. And so I've always got to rework. I have to right now a little bit of my schedule, but it sounds like you're doing a great, great job there. Um, you know, w- with that being said, you know, you talked about work life balance a little bit earlier. And, um, sounds like you've got a pretty, pretty good handle on that. Um, has that always been that way or have you struggled with that at some points? Uh, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll struggle. I mean, I have, everybody will, um, you know, and your wife will usually put you back in place. Like, come on, you've been working nonstop. Let's go out and get a drink or something. So, you know, then it's like, okay, this isn't that important. I can go 
take a couple hours off and go do that. So really, you know, at the beginning when you're really scaling up and you, you see the opportunity and you just want to keep going and getting after it, um, you know, that's probably when you struggle with it the most and that's when I would struggle with it the most. Um, but once you kind of systematize everything and put those people in place, then obviously that relieves a lot of that. Um, but then it's still, you kind of feel guilty at first. It's like, I should be working. Why am I not working? You know, but it, you, you get used to the, the new, the new freedom after a while, once you kind of got those people in place, you don't have to do a lot of the stuff you used to do, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, there's gotta be a sacrifice at some point to build a business. Um, you know, and as long as your significant other or friends or family understand that it's short term sacrifice for long term gain, then, uh, usually it'll work out. Okay. Absolutely. Well, and I like the part you talked about, you know, your wife will tell you, come on, come on. It's not that important. Come on, let's go. And in the heat of the battle, it may, again, be one of those things that's like kind of wears you out, but they help to balance you out. You know, whether it's your friends, family, parents, spouse, kids. Um, you know, I, I saw one time that, you know, kids uh, spell love T-I-M-E and, uh, <laughs> you know, by spending time with them. And, and you know, the, the reality is that um, time absolutely flies and you can never, you know, never get it back. And uh, being an entrepreneur, you know, working hard, doing what you need to do, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's somewhere between, you know, 40 and, and probably 60 or 70 hours that, that that's probably what you have to do as an entrepreneur to make it happen. Uh, but you just got to balance it out. You can't do 70s, 80s and 90s forever because eventually the kids or the spouse or whoever you'll disconnect from all those things. So I think that's that's really important that you do that. Now, if if our uh, if our ambitious listeners wanted to engage with you, maybe someone is interested in a franchise. How's the best way to communicate with you? Are you social? Are you out there on the web? Yeah, so they can head over to Twitter. My Twitter handle is Paul Maskill. Uh, I don't tweet every day, but you can definitely reach me uh, there. And if you want to check out TGA, we do have a welcome page for the ambitious radio listeners, franchisetga.com slash ambitious radio. There's some information there. If you want to reach out, uh, give me a call. Even if you're not interested in TGA and just want to chat business, uh, I'm always here. But that those are probably the two best ways to get in touch with me. Well, man, that's that's great, great information, and I'm, I'm sure that some of our folks will have some questions. Maybe they're related to them doing a franchise potentially in, in uh, their area, or it might be just general franchise questions. Um, I, I actually, I do, I do have a couple of quick questions because you threw something out earlier about, you know, the brick and mortar. You know, maybe takes a half a million dollars minimum to get started with those. Um, but, but it sounded like that your franchise model was a little bit less, but not to get too much into the details of your franchise, you know, cause I know there's probably a process you go through for that, but you said there's home-based and then there's, you know, brick and mortar. Can you just talk a little bit about the differences between those kind of talk shop a little bit and why someone might choose a home-based as opposed to the franchise other than just the, the raw cost? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the, the cost, I think, you know, there's, there's a trade-off. So if you, if you go brick and mortar, you're going to spend a lot more money, but you're going to get traffic and business, you know, immediately when any new restaurant opens up or a new shop opens up, everyone's going to go try it out. And then if it's something they know and they get excited, like, Oh man, there's a Chick-fil-A now right down the street, let's go. You know, you're going to spend a lot more money up front, but you're going to get that traffic right away. But there, you know, obviously there's a lot of overhead building, build out long-term lease equipment, all that kind of stuff. Whereas, a home-based franchise or home-based business in general, you know, there's a lot less overhead, um, but you're more or less responsible for go getting your customers. So, you know, to me, 
I like working hard, so I saw it as a great opportunity. I didn't. I only had to invest, you know, say, fifteen thousand dollars, and then I could really control my own destiny. The harder I work, the more successful I am. Uh, you know, so my first franchise, I was able to pay it back pretty quickly. Um, you know, I think the biggest the biggest thing that if if it's going to be your first time running your own business or working from home, it's you really just got to be proactive and try to eliminate distractions because working from home, if you're not used to it, uh, can be easily you know, lots of just lots of distractions out there. Very, very good information. Well, I appreciate you so much coming on the show with us. Give us a call <laughs> back. We'd love to have you back on and talk more about that. And guys, uh, you know, remember, you can make excuses or you can make money, but you cannot make both. So tune in on Wednesdays to Ambitious Radio when we interview thought leaders and exciting entrepreneurs changing the faces of their organizations right here on the Ambitious Radio Network. Thank you for listening to the Ambitious Radio Network, hosted by serial entrepreneur Doug Parker. Join us weekly as we have engaging conversations with ambitious entrepreneurs and thought leaders on topics that can be applied immediately after listening. Like what you've heard? Listen to other interviews at ambitiousradio.com or subscribe on iTunes.